Church. I'm really excited uh, to continue on in our service and just share with you some things that are on my heart for this new season of ministry that we find ourselves in. Um, by the way, uh, normally we have a video feed that's going into the prayer room. I think it is struggling today. So just so you know that. Is, it, is something happening? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know what's happening back there. You know, just take your chances and find out. Um, but typically, if you go out the doors here and go down the hallway into the prayer room, we have a live feed. Um, on second Sundays, our kids stay upstairs with us in the service to participate um, in the communion worship service. So can we welcome our young people in the service? Just glad to see you guys. This morning, very simply, um, I'm going to be using four words to describe where it is that I think God is leading us as a church community. Those four words are love, proclaim, reach, and launch. And those are four words that um, are not only being used by us to describe where God is leading us, but also by some others in our uh, Christian Missionary Alliance family. Um, but I, they apply to us and apply to what God is doing here. So I'm, ju I'm just really glad to be able to look forward in anticipation to what God is doing. So our first word is love. Our culture has cheapened love, has many times made it only about physical intimacy and pleasure. There, I don't have to do that. <laughs> this would be one of those times, like hopefully they'll say anything negative about me <laughs> or my preaching. You know what I mean? Like, Joel, what an idiot. You know, back there. All right. Yeah. All right. It's cheapened, it's cheapened love and made it only about physical intimacy and pleasure. And what the video said is true. Our church has the opportunity to broaden the experience of love um, by introducing them to a God who loves in many different ways. Because as you know, uh, love in the Christian worldview does not just look like physical intimacy. It does not only look like pleasure. Um, love in the kingdom looks like a lot of things. It looks like standing up for those who don't have a voice. It looks like listening to those who need an ear. It looks like oftentimes sweat and tears and even pain. But all of these things speak powerfully to people who are starved for love because in a culture that cheapens love, it means that many people are searching for love in cheap ways, and that often comes at a cost of great vulnerability. The people expose uh, their hearts and their souls in a way that requires great risk, and they find themselves just as empty at the end of that. So the opportunity is great for us to be able to show love to our neighbors and the people that God has put us into contact with. And so this should go without saying, but then again, it's worth saying again and again that the essence of our mission is summed up in this one word, to love. That's what the kingdom of God looks like, to learn to love better and better and better. In small ways at Crestmont, you know, we've been making changes to our church in small ways, trying to communicate better. And listen, all of those things are not an attempt to try to package or produce the gospel. What those are an attempt to do is to try to make it easier for the people that God is bringing our way to connect to us as a church family. You know, in our region, in western Pennsylvania, I realize not everyone in our congregation is from here, 
um, but you've probably experienced this dynamic, especially if you're not from Western PA. Um, we have some strengths relationally, one of which is that we are a very loyal people, loyal to our family relationships, loyal to our friendships, but that also can sometimes make us hard to break into. It can make us a people who are hard to form friendships with. And, and there's something in, you know, Western Pennsylvanian culture that when we meet somebody new, kind of, we might be nice, but kind of our first attitude is kind of like, who are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who are you? And church, I just want to challenge that. The loyalty thing is good, um, but it doesn't take a terribly discerning person to be critical of someone you just met. It's just easier for you to see their flaws because they're new, and it's very easy, I think, sometimes for us to overlook the flaws of those who are closest to us because we're so loyal. And instead, I want to challenge you to open your lives and tables and homes um, to individuals that God is bringing our way, flaws and all, because this is who God is bringing to us. And, you know, another great strength in our region is we are great with family. Um, you know, our Family networks are often extensive. Our family relationships are often close. But I don't think that God has made us good at family only for ourselves. I think he intends for us to expand our R <laughs> so that our family becomes wider than just blood. So our family becomes those who need a family. So our family becomes those that God is bringing into our community. And so many of the small changes we're making are just an attempt to try to open wide paths of access so that it is not difficult or confusing for people to become part of what God is doing at Crestmont. Ten years ago, when our church first started to experience some of the stirrings of renewal, um, we began to pray a prayer that we still pray all the time. Lord, send us the people that nobody else wants. And I love that prayer because I think God is looking for churches who will dare to pray it. To pray, God, send us the people that nobody else wants. And one of the greatest things uh, that encourages me about our church is when I hear people remark on our congregation's capacity to come around folks that have sometimes even found it difficult to integrate into church life. I was just reflecting going into this talk that now I can count five professional counselors, five, in recent years that either approached me directly or uh, came um, or sent a message to me indirectly, but five different professional counselors have pointed out to me um, you know, how amazed they've been that Crestmont has been willing to come around and embrace people even after sometimes they've been rejected by other churches. Church, I love that. You know, that's a good thing. And it's something I want uh, to keep seeing in, in our church. And I also think that growing in love means that we learn to acknowledge the pain of hurting groups of people. You know, I don't have to tell you, church, but there's so much pain and there's so much hurt in the world. And much of this is the result of injustices that have been done against groups of people. And you know what? If you are in a group of people that either historically or currently is experiencing injustice and your dignity has been affronted in one form or fashion, you know what people who've experienced that are often looking for? They're often looking for someone just to acknowledge that the pain is real. Someone just to say that what has happened 
is real and to notice it. And unfortunately, in too many churches in this country, church is sometimes the last place that people can find acknowledgement of their pain. But Crestmont, I believe that we can be different, whether it's ethnic or racial minorities, abuse victims, immigrants, those who've experienced sexual brokenness, veterans, the list could go on and on. I think one thing God wants us to be at Crestmont is a people who can acknowledge the pain of groups of people who can't find acknowledgement for their pain. Amen? And you know what? You don't need to understand someone's pain to acknowledge it. You don't need to understand the whole story to acknowledge it. All we need to do is to be good listeners, be willing to hear people's stories and to say, I will stand with you in this, even if I don't completely understand it. One final thought on love before we move to our next word. And it's just this. I I saw recently a really interesting study that had been conducted by a psychologist at a a major university. It was identifying... um, what was the factor that made people feel like they were loved, that made them report that they felt loved? And the study did find that, generally speaking, there are two major groups of people, those who feel that they are loved and those who do not feel that they are loved. But here is the interesting thing about that study. There was only one difference between those groups of people. It had nothing to do with life circumstance. In both groups of people, there were difficulties. Both groups of people had experienced rejection to one degree or another. Both groups of people had experienced wounds. You know what the only difference was between those who felt loved and those who didn't feel loved was that the people who felt loved, regardless of their circumstance, believed internally that they were loved. That simple. They believed that they were loved, and that allowed them, gave them the capacity to receive love when it was being given to them, And it also gave them the capacity to feel like they were loved even when people weren't giving it to them. Conversely, people who internally did not feel like they were loved, it didn't matter how many people around them were speaking love to them. They weren't able to feel it or experience it. Why am I telling you this? Because at the end of the day, I'm at this point in pastoral ministry, I feel like I'm misleading us as a church and I'm misleading broken people to say that we're going to be able to do enough to make you feel loved. You know what? There's only one person who can do it. See, the study said, the study said that we need to feel loved, and then the study just kind of drops. And it's like, well, how do you feel loved if your life is full of regrets? How do you feel loved if you've experienced pain and rejection? Well, here's how. A God encounters you whose name is love and convinces you of it. And this is why I want to be a loving place, but at the end of the day, there are some things, church, that we must just pray in. I want this house to be a house of encounter where we hold out to people the salvation that Jesus offers and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which at its core, that experience of being filled with the Spirit is about the love of God being actualized in our lives, activated in our lives. We know we're loved, but it's the Holy Spirit who convinces us in our hearts. And those are things we must pray. But but make no mistakes, church. When people walk through our doors, I want them to know it. They are loved. And I want them to know it not just by our kind words and actions, but because they encounter a God who is love. Amen? Amen? Our next word is proclaim. We are an intergenerational church, which I think is one of our strengths. And in some generations of church life, the emphasis was on verbal proclamation of the gospel, sometimes at the expense of active demonstration of the gospel. 
So what was emphasized was telling people about Jesus from places like this or in presentations, but sometimes what was de-emphasized or even worse, looked at with suspicion were acts of mercy and justice to the poor, putting our hands and feet to work to demonstrate the gospel. On the flip side, there's other generations in our day that emphasize active demonstration, but de-emphasize verbal proclamation. And of course, church, I don't have to tell you that both of these things are how Jesus did ministry. He proclaims the gospel, but he also demonstrated it. He demonstrated it, and he proclaimed it. Those two things always went hand in hand, and in truth, we need both. You know, there's a phrase that goes around Christian circles, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. It's often attributed to St. Francis Assisi. I don't know if he actually said it or not. I kind of hope not because I really like St. Francis. And this statement, and this statement, I'm not necessarily saying is entirely wrong. I can appreciate what it's getting at, the need for us not to just talk a talk, but to walk a walk. But I'm also suspicious of this statement. And I'll tell you why, because it sounds a lot like it comes from someone who has spent their whole life in church with access to the things of God, that has known about Jesus since they were young, and Jesus was kind of always part of their lives, it sounds to me like the only person that would say something like that is someone who has had a lot of access to Jesus. But of course, church, that's not everybody. It's not everybody in the world, and it's not even everybody in Beaver County. One of the greatest joys of my life has been to engage with people in discussion who have never had anyone explain Jesus to them, who have never had anyone tell them what is most important to them in their lives. And this has been a great joy for me, but I'm not talking about like canned presentations or evangelistic tricks. I'm not even necessarily talking about sermons like this one where we proclaim Jesus. I'm talking about letting the name of Jesus come up naturally in our relationships with people who have not met him yet. Matter of fact, if I could just give you a simple challenge on this, it's to talk with your friends who do not know Jesus no different than you talk to your friends who do know Jesus. I do this all the time. Just recently in the last few weeks, I was engaging in conversation with someone who shared a lot of interests with me, especially when it came to um, uh, helping people in need. And so we were talking about this and I just felt like at the end of the conversation, because he was kind of asking how I got involved and what I'm involved in, and I felt the necessity to represent myself with integrity and just to say, for me, it's Jesus. You know, it's not, because see, if we don't say that, we just make it seem like it's because we're such great people. You know, and I don't want to give off that impression to people. Like, we're just so great, and that's why we do the things we do. Listen, I am all about putting hands and feet to the good news of Jesus, amen? I'm all about working and sweating and serving and all of those things, but I think we should also let people know that it is not just our goodwill. It's not just that we're part of you know, the church that we're a part of. It is a person that defines us. It's a person that has set us apart, and his name is Jesus, amen? Amen. All right, our next word is reach. Listen, there's something inherent in the nature of God that he's always breaking into new territory with the kingdom. Listen, when we talk about loving and proclaiming, of course I want us to grow in love and compassion for our 
circles of influence, for the places where God has put us in. I want us to love the people that God has put all around us. And yet, we can't deny that the pattern in the New Testament is that God is always breaking into a new group of people. Amen? The Holy Spirit in the book of Acts falls on a group of Jewish believers at Pentecost, and it's great. It's great what God is doing, but it's not long before their vision is expanded because they find that this kingdom that Jesus is giving by his spirit is not just for Jerusalem, and it's not just for the Jews, but it's for the whole earth. And soon the Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit, and then Gentiles even further out, and they the early church realized that Jesus had his sights on the ends of the earth. Amen? So there's something about the kingdom that is always breaking barriers. Barriers of race and class. Barriers of ethnicity is always breaking into new territory. And this is a sign of renewal. That God is for more than just us. Amen? But that he is for people who are different than us as well. This is why, church, it's as true today as it's been in the last decade for us that we are asking for God to make us a church as diverse as the 15001 zip code because if we're not, it means that there's gaps in our mission, that there are people who have not yet been welcomed. And our zip code is African-American and white and a small, very small but growing Latino population. Um, our zip code is urban, suburban, and rural. It's poor, working class, middle class, and upper middle class. We have a wide cross-section of people in our zip code, and I think a church ought to be as diverse as its own zip code. Back in February, we've really been in transition since February um, as a church, but back in February, we announced to you the end of a discernment process about if we should make our church more accessible to uh, our friends in Aliquippa um, in a process of, of relocating our church. Um, and at the time, we were considering doing this by merging with another congregation in Aliquippa. And at the end of that discernment process, as you know, in February, we just felt like that was not the direction that God was leading us in. It was not possible for that merger to take place. And church, I just want to say, I've said to some of you, but if we want God's yes, we should also be okay with his no. Amen? And God said no. That's my take on it. God said no. We, it was a discernment process. And we were praying and we were asking and honestly asking God what he wanted to do. And we just felt like that door was not open for us. That being said, I do want you to know that the thought of relocation is still on the table. I don't have some big plans to announce to you or another discernment process to announce to you today, but it's just to say that when the cloud of God's presence in the midst of his people rises and says it's time to go, the people of God go, amen? And one thing I like about our church after that discernment process is I felt like it attached our hearts to the Lord's movement instead of to lesser things, you know? And I, and I just felt that from all of you, that we're willing to go wherever it is that God has led us. It means that God may lead us to cross other barriers in our country and region. Church, in the last couple weeks, just in the last couple weeks, I was sharing with some friends, I'm amazed at how many Spanish-speaking family members, family members, I wish, um, <laughs> Spanish-speaking uh, families I have run into in Beaver County. 
Um, just in the last couple weeks, the coming of Dutch Shell to our county brings with it blessings and challenges, but likely one of the blessings will be a more diverse population of people in our county. Um, just last week, another person in our church was sharing with me that they were in a park and they saw two Arab families hanging out. There's people moving to our region. And I can tell you, church, that when I see that, there's something that stirs inside of me that says, I don't want to miss what God is doing. God has appointed the times and places that people should live. As in the Christian Missionary Alliance, we have an anointing for this. Our church started with immigrants. Still, on a Sunday morning like this, um, the, the Christian Missionary Alliance worldwide, I mean, not worldwide, in the United States, is worshiping in 27 languages. We are still on the front lines of embracing newcomers to this country. And I don't have a plan to give you this morning about how we're going to do this. I'm just sharing with you a prayer that's in my heart that I want our doors to be as open as God's love is to people that are coming into our country. Amen? So I'm excited about that. And I just think it's a matter of prayer. And then, church, um, these flags that we have hanging up here are not just for decoration. We are connected to a worldwide family that is on the front lines of sharing the gospel many times to people who have not even heard the name of Jesus and doing it in word and deed. And we just saw the verse up on the screen, Jesus will not return until every tribe and tongue has received the message of salvation. Because if Jesus moved us into the next age of eternity and there's groups of people who are not around that throne, it makes Jesus kind of like the ultimate bigot. Like, you can't come here. But that's not who Jesus is. He is being merciful in wait. You want to know why Jesus hasn't come back yet? It's because he wants everybody to be represented there. <laughs> that's why. And he's not going to come back until everyone has heard the name of Jesus because everyone is going to be represented there. So church, you know, we're not a huge congregation, but I want to do everything that is within our power and everything that God wants to do through us by the Spirit's empowerment to link with our global partners, to support them and pray for them and give to them, um, to be generous because Jesus is coming back and he wants everyone around his throne. Amen? Amen. The next word is launch. There's a reason why we talk about the Holy Spirit so much at Crestmont. It's because God has called us to be a church on mission. And there is no other way, no other design in the New Testament than that a church on mission is also a Holy Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-empowered, Holy Spirit-sanctified church. It's the only way to do it. Um, and so, you know, in recent years, there's been a renewed emphasis on the Holy Spirit's work among us. We're seeing him do things among us that we haven't seen him do in a long time at our church. But listen, I want to tell you, this isn't about putting a stake on some, like, secondary doctrinal issue. It's not about just having a show in church. It's not about just seeking the next um, experience so that we can get our fix for the next week. This is about being filled with the fire and love of God so that we can effectively reach the people that God is sending us to. So when we talk about being a church that is launched into where God is sending us, we're talking about a people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and know his power um, for us. Um, but this also means that we just want to do a good job, church, at equipping you. I think there's such a hunger 
in our church right now to be equipped in the things of ministry. And I love that. And so this means get connected to a smaller gathering. One of the best things you can do to be equipped for what God is calling you to is to give people access to your life, to, to go into the relational spaces where people can invest in you and you can invest in them. We have a number of smaller gatherings that meet throughout the week. We have discipleship classes that meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. We're starting these ministry tracks, um, which will cover a wide range of topics on Saturday mornings to help equip you for ministry. The first one will be on the 16th called How Do I Hear God? I encourage you to sign up for it. And then, of course, two weeks ago, we talked about discipling our kids together because in all of this, love, proclaim, reach, launch, um, our kids are not obstacles to God doing these things among us. They are part of the picture of what God is doing among us, and we want to see them empowered for mission too. I do have something exciting to announce to you this morning. Um, we are now what is called in the Christian Missionary Alliance a greenhouse church, and I want to explain to you what that means. If you think about the picture of a greenhouse, a greenhouse is a, is a place where uh, plants can grow in safety until they are ready to be sent out. Um, a number of years ago, the Christian Missionary Alliance started this initiative because they were recognizing churches where the Spirit of God was working among them to move that church to give itself away in leaders and in ministries. And recently, in conversation with our leaders in the Christian Missionary Alliance, they have recognized that God is doing something special in our midst, that he is moving us to be a place that can be a safe place where new people and new ministries um, can be birthed, and we can wrap around them in safety and then send them out. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, in some sense, we've been a greenhouse church for the last 10 years, if you think about all of the people and ministries that have been sent out of this church. Interestingly enough, the average greenhouse church in the Christian Missionary Alliance is less than 400 people and has budget restrictions. And I thought, oh, we fit the bill <laughs> for that. Um, often, it seems like they're not going to have enough. But I think that's the space that God has called some churches to live in, to keep taking the risk again and again and again to give ourselves away. Church, I just want you to hear my heart on this. If you are part of Crestmont, it is not our job as church leaders to control you, to own you, to manipulate you. Um, what we want to be is a greenhouse, is a place where you have room to grow, a place where you have room to hear God, a place where you have space to wrestle through the issues of healing and repentance that you need to work through. And then we understand that as God does that, he will have some of you stay, but he will send some of you out. And I want you to hear this word of permission from your church leaders that if God is stirring you to go, we will lay hands on you and bless you and honor you and support you as you go. Amen. Um, I think it's such an unhealthy church culture when we think that we own the movement that God is doing. When we think that we own people. Um, we don't. Uh, we're just facilitators of the process. So I'm really excited because um, we have added some additional members to our staff. <laughs> Um, that I want to introduce to you this morning. It's amazing. For me, this was part of like uh, God's timing in all of this. We have been able to add these individuals to our staff without increasing our budget significantly at all. And the reason why is because all of these individuals are, are going part-time at the church, also part-time at Aliquippa Impact, and uh, we are compensating them largely through the provision of free housing 
in partnership with Aliquippa Impact. So we're able to do it really affordably, but to become a place where people can prepare for ministry. So all of the individuals I'm about to bring up are preparing for licensed ministry in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Some of them, God may lead to stay with us, but some of them, God may send. They're entering into a three-year process with us where we can learn and grow with them. So I think the best way to do this is, I would just like to ask Crestmont's all of the ministerial staff, um, if you would come up and stand here on the stage so that you can uh, see everybody, and I will introduce the new folks to you. Yeah. Yes, that's you too, Helen. Everybody. You guys are like, am I that? Yes. <laughs> Nick, yes. <laughs> Good. Yes, Tim, yep. <laughs> Jamara, good. All right, some of these folks you know. Um, even, even Steve, who is leading prayer initiatives at the church, has been part of our church for a long time, is in the ordination process with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, you guys know John, obviously. He also is in the ordination process with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. But there's some new faces up here as well. Jamara, obviously, you know. Devante, we introduced last week. Um, I'll probably introduce you again, Devante, since you're, since you're newer. Um, but I just want to introduce these folks to you. So this is Helen Yi. She worked for Aliquippa Impact this last summer. And she'll be doing youth and children's ministry with us. And Helen is also discerning God's call in her life related to global missions, which is really exciting. Devante, you guys know, he'll also be working at Aliquippa Impact, working in our um, youth ministries. Tim Hardy is from the area locally, has been attending our church, helping with the youth group. Um, he will uh, be helping us some in the youth ministry. Nick Smith, you probably have seen him up here sometimes, but um, Nick worked for Aliquip Impact as well. We'll be working for Aliquip Impact again, and with us, he'll be preparing for youth ministry and worship ministry. He'll be coming alongside of John and that. On a heart, one of our own. And if you guys have tracked Anna, you know that she has been all over the place, like all over the world doing ministry, and uh, she's coming to spend a season with us in preparation for what God has for us next. So church, this is your ministerial staff. It's kind of crazy that for a church our size, we, God has given us this many people, you know, to, to be dedicating a significant amount of time um, to ministry. But church, what I want to tell you, of course, I want you to support and encourage them but I also want to be clear about this, that our philosophy of leadership development is not about identifying leaders who have it all together and hiring only those kinds of people. Um, our philosophy of leadership development is about identifying people who are hungry and that God is stirring something inside of. They may be less experienced. For some of the folks standing here, this will be their first time on the staff of a church. And I can tell you, this means they will not get it right all of the time. But part of being a greenhouse means that we are a safe place for them. So I just want to set that expectation that they are a safe place. You know who you did that really well for, church? was me. Um, you know, I came on staff here. I was 22 years old, completely inexperienced. Just the other day, memories come back to me of things I said or did like 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. People were so gracious, you know, to me. Yeah, you know, I look back at some old sermon notes, and I'm like, oh, what were people thinking? But they were so kind, you know? And you allowed me to grow here. And I just want to personally ask that you would extend that to these individuals as well. Amen?
All right, can we give them a hand? And you'll, you'll be hearing more about the Greenhouse Initiative in coming weeks. You guys can take your seats. Steve's going to close us in prayer. Jesus, uh, if it's said of Jesus that zeal for his house consumed him and that his house would be called a house of prayer for all nations. So I just want to seal our time. If you guys could stand uh, with me. Um, I just want to seal our time by praying that we become a house of prayer. You know, Jesus' zeal was that we would experience the power of the love of God for ourselves in a place of prayer. And that's in the same reason he loved and burned for us to experience him in prayer. Uh, it was the same is the same reason the enemy hates prayer, because it's all about being in God's presence and experiencing his love. And like Joel said, as a result of that, it's to be sent out and to reach people with his love. And so we want to become the house of prayer. And let's just pray for that same zeal to burn in us. Father God, you are so good, Lord God. When Moses asked to see your glory, um, you said, I will let all of my goodness pass you by and I will proclaim my name to you. So Lord God, even now, could we hear your voice, Lord God? Could we experience your goodness, Lord? Um, even now, Lord God, we wait for just a moment, Lord Jesus, just to experience what it is you're saying, what it is you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. We trust you, Lord. Lord God, we pray for increase in trust. Lord God, as we encounter your manifest presence, your goodness, Lord God, your glory, Lord God, we know that we'll grow in trust because you are good. You are faithful to the end, Lord God. Lord, we bless your holy name and we worship you, Lord God. Uh, we declare over this house that this house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, fill us with your spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Did you have Okay. Yes. What I'm about to say isn't profound. Hey, if you're, a, if you're prayer ministers, would you come forward, Steve? Let me come forward. If you need prayer for anything... Then, then please come forward and pray with one of these individuals at the front as I dismiss you. But I just want to say, church, this afternoon, we're going to eat ourselves some pig. That's all I'm saying. And so I want you to come out for it. And uh, please, even if you didn't sign up, just show up. Uh, we would love to have you there. And I think there's directions at the Connection Center. So I hope we get to see you this afternoon. If you need prayer, come forward. But go in God's grace and love, and we love you.